All right. Good night, everyone in Singapore and wherever you are. So welcome to this uh, special, and I really mean it's a really special episode of Tetari with Walid. And with me today, I have a special guest. Uh, she, he, she is Hanan Sahmud, and she is an advocate and a legal researcher at the General Personnel Council in Palestine. She holds a Bachelor of Law and Master of International Relations, and her work focuses on Palestine-Israel, Middle Eastern Affairs, and human rights. And she is in Palestine right now, in, in Ramallah. Uh, Ramallah or Ramallah and uh, firstly thank you so much Hanan for agreeing to do this you are dressed very appropriately unfortunately I have given my cafe away so I I couldn't wear one I was frantically looking for it when I saw you uh, thank you thank you for agreeing to do this and I wanted to do this I, I really wanted to pick your brain on what's going on uh, but also part of it is you know a, a show of solidarity you know I really want to uh, show and I think the people here they all want on the same thing as well. It's a show of solidarity uh, with uh, the people of Palestine, with people like yourself. Uh, but of course, I also uh, wanted uh, this session uh, to be discussing a, a little bit more than that. And you are a legal mind as well, so I wanted to discuss things which are pertinent uh, to the current the current episode in this conflict. So my first question to you is, what is the situation like in the West Bank right now? Thank you, Walid, and thank you, everyone, for being here today. Um, so it's it's very really bad, to say the least, you know, like the situation in the West Bank, uh, because all the eyes are in Gaza at the moment. And uh, I would describe what is happening in the West Bank as a silent genocide. Um, you know, like Israeli authority and uh, Israeli illegal settlers have been doing this for the past 75 years, but uh, since October 7th and since the war started in Gaza, the scale of um, attacking Palestinians have been rising. Uh, so for instance, since October 7th, uh, Israel has arrested 7,000 Palestinians from the West Bank alone. Those 7,000, there are 4,000 under administrative detention. That means that those people they get arrested without trial or the charges. So 4,000 out of 7,000, they got arrested without any charges, without any trial. Uh, we have, uh, you know, settler violence as usual is rising. Settlers um, have been burning Palestinian houses, attacking Palestinians. Um, there have been 400 Palestinian killed in the West Bank since October 7th. And among them, there are children and there are women um, there are almost 157 houses uh, got demolished by the Israeli authorities and the uh, Israeli illegal settlers. Um, as some of you may know that in the West Bank, Israelis, uh, like, uh, the Israeli settlements are illegal. So under international law and under Geneva Convention, uh, the occupying power, they can transfer their citizens to the occupying lands. Um, so we have today in the West Bank almost 700,000 illegal settlers in the West Bank. So that's more than half a million of them. And those people are fully armed. Um, Since October 7th, there were, I guess, 250,000 uh, requests for firearms. And the Israeli authority, they already 
um, you know, like distributed 165,000 guns to those settlers. So those settlers wow. are fully armed. And, you know, they are trained because um, under Israeli law, Israeli, um, like all Israelis, females and males, they get to um, to have mandatory uh, military service. So everyone in Israel knows how to use a gun. So imagine if you know how to use a gun and then you have this gun and you can use it the way you want. You can kill for any reason that you think of and they have permission to do so you know um like um if you heard of the israel um national minister itamar ben gavir so he's a settler himself and he's residing in hebron in an illegal sister uh, settlement in hebron and this minister who sits in the cabinet he keeps telling those settlers that you can shoot and you can kill for any reason that you can think of in order to protect yourself from Palestinians. Um, so it's it's really serious in the West Bank. Um, another important thing happening in the West Bank, which is the closure of Al-Aqsa Mosque. As you may know, Jerusalem is under Israeli occupation since 1967. And Israel fully controls Jerusalem. Like Israel decide who to enter the mosque, who to not enter the mosque. For people who don't know, the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem is the third holiest place in Islam, uh, the third holiest mosque in Islam. And Palestinian, they take, you know, like, um, they take having Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem very seriously. Uh, they defend Al-Aqsa Mosque with their blood, with their souls. And since October 7th, Palestinians were not allowed to enter the mosque. The mosque was closed for Palestinian worshippers. And it was open for Israeli settlers. So settlers can storm the mosque, can go and on tours inside the mosque, but Palestinians, they are not allowed to enter their mosque. Uh, before October 7th, we used to have 250,000 worshippers on Fridays in Al-Aqsa Mosque. And since October 7th, for the past four months, we only had 5,000 people were able to reach the mosque. So that's... I don't know, less than 1%. So yeah, this is the situation in the West Bank and in Jerusalem right now. <laughs> it's very yeah. tragic. I don't want to sound, um, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, it is It is extremely tragic. And the focus uh, is on Gaza and people think, you know, it's October 7, all of those things happen, happening. But there's a lot of things that happen on October 6, on October 1. On October 7, 2022, October 7, 2021, it's an yeah. ongoing occupation, which the ICJ is going to hear about. Um, I mean, it didn't start on October 7th, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, and I think anybody who says that it started on that, uh, on that day uh, is being fun. intellectually dishonest, right? They are being intellectually dishonest if, if they want to start the clock uh, on October 7th, right? Um, so, yeah, so one of the things, and you mentioned this as well, and I'm glad uh, you talked about uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, and obviously Palestine has a religious significance to, to a lot of Muslims uh, throughout the world because of Al-Aqsa Mosque and because many of the prophets who are also Jewish prophets were, were in Palestine. Um, but at the heart of it, this is a conflict not really about religion, even though it has religious significance, right? I mean, there are 
there are a lot of Palestinian Christians. I mean, Reverend Manta Isaac, who has delivered some really powerful sermon, right, uh, said as much. So, uh, what do you have to say about that when people try to view this as uh, as a purely or solely religious conflict? I mean, you know, whenever people um, talk about about this as a religious conflict, um, I keep telling them that you need to ask a holo the Holocaust survivors. Those people are the ones who got to tell you why now they stand against Israel. I mean, seeing Jewish people around the world advocating for a free Palestine tells people who say that what they need to know. Um, Palestine is not a religious conflict indeed. Um, it didn't start because of a fight between Muslims and Jewish. Uh, I mean, regardless of our identity, um, the occupation of Palestine is a settler colonial project. Um, it was intended to occupy the land and, you know, empty the land of its residents. And Palestine, before the colonization, we, we used to have Muslims, Jews and Christians living together peacefully. And this, um, you know, coexistence was disturbed by the colonization of Palestine. Um, in Palestine, we have, um, you know, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the third holiest mosque for Muslims. We have the Church of Nativity, which is where Jesus, peace be upon him, was born. So it has also significance for Christians around the world. We have the Christian, uh, the um, Church of Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, which it's believed that Jesus, peace be upon him, was crucified. Uh, we have one of the oldest Jewish groups, and those Jews are Palestinians, the Samaritan Palestinians, and they live in Nablus. And those Jews are targeted also by Israel, you know, like they have checkpoints, like uh, those Jews have been living in Palestine uninterrupted for ages. And, um, you know, they all the time question the morality of Israel and the morality of using Judaism as a political tool in order to occupy someone else's land. Um, so those people always um, stand against the narrative of Israel that this is a religious you know, conflict between Jewish people and Muslim people. So having all those facts, there is no way that someone can characterize like what is happening, like the occupation, the settler colonialism of Palestine as a religious war. Um, we Palestinians, we are Muslims, we are Christians, we are Jews, and we all stand united against occupation and against settler colonialism. Hmm. Thank you so much. I want to, if, if possible, you know, want to get a bit personal as well, right? One of the things that uh, I, have, I have witnessed, although this time around is different, so maybe maybe we'll, we'll discuss that in a while. But do you think for the past 70-odd years that the world has abandoned you? I mean, yeah. It, it Definitely, the word has abandoned us. You know, allowing Israel to get away with one of the longest occupation, military occupation on modern history is something that we should think of, you know. And Israel, it's not only occupying Palestine with full immunity and full support of the Western world. Um, it also got away with its apartheid regime, you know, like Israel is practicing apartheid, is it practicing military occupation, is it practicing ethnic cleansing, is it practicing settler colonialism. And they 
managed to get away with all of this for the past 75 years. So if the word, you know, has something to say today that they gave us away a long time ago, you know, when they gave away Palestine to Zionist militias, this is where everything started, you know, and this is where the word started to abandon Palestinians. So it didn't start. And and we Palestinians were not surprised, you know, we're kind of used to it. We're kind of used to the word, you know, like turning a blind eye when it comes to us. But when it comes to Israel, like the whole word would be, you know, like defending and supporting and giving whatever Israel needs. So why we're talking about this now, like if you think of it, like even this discussion between me and you and everyone else, why the sudden interest of Palestine? We've been occupied for the past 75 years. It was because Israel was attacked for the first time by Palestinians. So this is why the whole world is upside down today, because Israel, the spoiled baby, got attacked for the first time in their history of occupation, you know? So if Israel wasn't attacked, no one would be talking about the Palestinian struggle for liberation, um, Palestinian suffering under apartheid, under, you know, military occupation. No one would be talking about Palestinian at all. We're talking about Palestinian today because Israel was harmed for the first time since it's occupied Palestine. So, yeah, I, I believe the word has abandoned us a long time ago. But I also believe that People around the world are now, you know, standing for Palestine. And this is very interesting. And but this is very, you know, like overwhelming. And and this is what Palestinians really love, to see people around the world standing for them. Mm. So uh, thank you, Hada. That, that was really heartfelt. By the way, if uh, anyone has any comments, uh, messages that you wish to uh, tell Hanan, uh, please feel free to to type them in. Um, what is what is different this time? Why is it different? Or does it feel different at all? I mean, I really don't know if it's different or not. Maybe the scale of killing is different this time. You know, because um, since Palestine was colonized in nineteen forty eight. Um, it's believed that 14,000 Palestinians got killed during the process of establishing the state of Israel. So 14,000 was the highest number of killed Palestinians that we ever had in our history. And with all the wars in Gaza, we never have reached a number that is more than... In 2014 was the deadliest year for Palestinians. So during a war in Gaza, there were like 2,000 Palestinians killed. And we considered that year to be the deadliest year. This year, so far, we have 29,000 Palestinians in Gaza got killed. We have 400 in the West Bank. And the number is still rising, you know. The, the war is not over yet. And um, the 29,000 are the people who uh, got to the hospitals. We have 7,000 under the rubbles. So that makes it. I don't know, 35-something thousand people um, lost and killed. We have more than 69,000 people injured. That's in total, make it like 100,000 Palestinians got injured or killed or got missing for the past four months. That number is insane, you know. Whenever I think of it, it's like 
the size of Zimbabwean or the size of Queenstown in Singapore, if you think of it, if you bring all the residents of Queenstown and then you get all the people killed or injured or missing, that number is crazy. And if people start thinking of it as those people are souls, they have dreams, they have lives, they have, you know, like a future to look into. And now Israel has taken everything away from them. So it feels different because of the mass scale of killing, the mass scale of destruction, the mass scaling of dehumanization. But other than that, we're kind of, you know, used to their brutality, used to their violence. But the mass killing this time is unprecedented. What about what is different about the reaction to the world? Is it uh, is it different, you think, this time? Maybe because of the scale of killing is different. So some people, you know, couldn't stand to see children getting killed like this. So I guess it's, um, yeah, the killing itself, the scale of it made nations around the world go on protests and go, you know, to support Palestine. And um, yeah, I hope it's different. I hope it changes something, you know, but like we've been seeing those protests for the past four months and nothing has changed. Governments have turned a blind eye to its citizens. We're talking about Western nations who keep, you know, like telling us about democracy and human rights and, you know, ethics. And those same leaders, they turn their eyes to their citizens and they're not listening to them. Uh, no one has called for a ceasefire. And no one is not, like, governments are not doing anything on the ground and nothing is changing in Gaza. But people, I know, I know, like, people's solidarity is real and is sincere and genuine. But, you know, as long as those governments do not listen to their citizens, nothing is going to happen on the ground, you know? So uh, there's almost a sense of despair. Uh, I don't know. Is there is it hopelessness on your on your part that uh, you are not optimistic that anything will change this time around? I okay. It, it might change something, but I don't know that this change is gonna be instant. We're not gonna see this change immediately. We might see it on the long run, you know, um, a lot of geopolitical um, events are changing indeed. Um, but I'm not sure this change is going to be immediate. And um, I don't think, I mean, I believe in our struggle for liberation and I believe that one day we're going to be liberated. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to happen instantly after this, you know. I feel that um, we still need to fight for this liberation. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, hopefully it comes sooner than later. And when that day comes, then we will see the same Western leaders pontificate and they will be talking about, oh, we've always been for a free Palestine yeah. and so on. And we mustn't, I think now is the time to take stock. Who are the ones who, who said yes, who said no, who said what? And we must never let them forget. And I completely agree with you. We should never ever let western countries lecture the rest of the world ever again on human rights i mean never yeah. again right um uh so the icj ruling right so this is right up your alley so 
uh, is it a game changer do you think this uh, this particular one and i think it's that's almost poetic justice in south africa being the one that brings this right and of course nelson mandela when he was confronted by a western journalist was it that is Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, less and yeah, yeah, exactly. He was on a terrorist. Suddenly, he became and, a freedom fighter. And, for and suddenly, the whole world was in love with him, and they were the same people who abandoned him. And when he yeah. was asked by a Western journalist, right, why don't, uh, why don't you condemn? I'm paraphrasing. Why don't you condemn the Arab leaders? And he mentioned that, uh, he said that your enemies are not my enemies. And he mentioned people, and the first name he mentioned was Yasser Arafat. who he said supported the South African cause uh, to the hilt. Uh, and I, I almost feel like there's poetic justice in South Africa sort of repaying that. Oppressed uh, that people, people, the oppressed people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so, uh, and they understand apartheid better than any. No one can say Desmond Tutu didn't understand apartheid, right? So do you think that's significant in terms of the ruling itself? I know it probably didn't go as far as it should have. But do you think it does it give you hope in any uh, form or shape? Yeah, though it was disappointing uh, for the government, for the um, for the court to not call for a ceasefire, you know, to not uh, approve the provisional measure that was requested by South Africa to halt all the military um, activities in Gaza. Uh, but I believe it is historical, you know, for for two reasons. Uh, the first one it was because. The Genocide Convention itself, you know, um, it is very significant when it comes, uh, when you think of it, like, why did it come? So the Genocide Convention, um, it came 1948, and it mainly, like, was formed, you know, to acknowledge the, um, the massacre of the Jewish people during the Holocaust. So the significance of the um, Genocide Convention for Jewish people They were victims at that time. They were victims of one of the horrible crimes in history, which is the Holocaust. And then um, Israel was one of the first countries to sign the convention and to be a member of it. And today, the same people who were a victim of a genocide, they are committing another genocide against innocent civilians. So the irony, like when you think of it, The convention came to protect the Jews, and now the same Jewish people are committing genocide against Palestinians. Uh, so this is why it's important. And Israel, for the first time, is being tried in an international court. Um, and the second reason, it's because of South Africa. You know, the significance of the history of South Africa being under apartheid regime And then, um, you know, being a country that, like, you know, it wasn't in its great shape. And now South Africa is taking Israel and its Western supporters to trial. So it's not only Israel who's getting tried in the ICJ. It's the whole Western world who supports Israel and who church for Israel's crimes. So it's like. The global south is it trying right. to use the tools and the tactics right. that the superpowers they have designed in a way to protect their interests. So now those global south countries, they are using the same tactics against those, you know, colonial powers and, and Israel. So I guess it's historical. 
And I wish that we we're gonna see a ruling soon. I don't know in like months, years. And I wish this ruling acknowledge all the souls that have been killed during this war, during this genocide, and you know, like to give them justice. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, that's that's an excellent point, right? Uh, I think earlier on you said as well that there are many Jews throughout the world, even in Israel, who are protesting against this, right? And this, and you see this uh, in, I mean, in Singapore, there's one, there's one here in this very uh, Zoom uh, chat, and there are many who are indeed protesting against this, Um because uh, they are, you know, Holocaust survivors, children of Holocaust survivors. I mean, Professor Norman Finkelstein, right? Uh, Finkelstein, his his parents were were survivors as well. Uh, and uh, it's it's a tragedy that it has unfolded this way, right? That the genocide convention is being uh, is being invoked against Israel, right? So uh, what some there are whenever you see, uh, whenever I see. Uh, Israeli representatives or spokespersons on doing interviews, right? I feel like I almost want to prepare a bingo card, right? Table four by four, right? Because I sort of know already what's gonna come up within within three minutes. Right? I have it. <laughs> yeah, I have it. You know, and then I can just strike that, right? And you you sort of know already, and it's sort of tired talking points that people. They are still using from 1990 or something. What are some of these talking points that you would like, especially from a Palestinian perspective, right? Which and I think we should elevate uh, Palestinian voices more. So, what are some of these talking points that really irk you and irritate you, and you wanna um, <laughs> refute or, or debunk? You know, I mean, the whole idea that Israel was established upon was a lie. So, to establish a country on a lie. That tells you what is the history, what is the future of this country is going to be. So Israel was established on a lie that a land without people to people mm. without land. And we Palestinians, like our mere existence today is a debunk for this lie because we are here. We didn't fall from the moon. We were here for those, I don't know, thousands, eight, like thousands years. And then we're still to be here until today. And this struggle is going on because we Palestinian, the indigenous people, we refuse to be erased. Like no matter how hard they try, we are still going to be here because this is the only land that we know. We didn't migrate from Europe. We didn't came from anywhere else. So this land, it wasn't empty. It has people and those people are the Palestinian people. So no matter how hard they try to convince the word that this land was empty, our mere existence today is a debunk for this lie. That's the first thing. And then, I mean, you continue to hear those propaganda over and over. I mean, um, everything since the war started, um, you know, the 40 beheaded babies, there was no proof. And then the sexual assault against Israeli women, there was no proof. And then using Hamas is using hospitals as military bases, no proof. Like, I don't know, like yesterday, they have storm, they have a Nasser hospital in Gaza, and they turned into military base, and they has no proof that Hamas was there. And 
I don't know for how long they can go on with lying and with telling the people. I mean, Israel basically is telling the whole world, do not believe your eyes and believe us instead. Yeah. I mean, the whole world is watching today. It's not that it is happening, you know, in darkness. It's happening yeah. live on TV, on social media. So telling the people that don't believe your eyes, like Palestinians want you to believe something, and we are the victims here. You're not the victim in this story. It is the first time in history that I see a country that kill babies in one hand and then playing the victim card on the other hand. Like, like you can't have it both ways. You're either the oppressor or you're the oppressed. You can't be the oppressor and oppressed at the same time. You can't, you know, like having all those claims of self-defense, for instance, you can't use the self-defense card in front of the people that you occupy. Gaza is not a country. Gaza is a territory that Israel occupies. So using self-defense in front of Gaza doesn't work, even under international law. You can't occupy someone's land, and then when they hit you back, you use the self-defense card. You're occupying their land. What do you want them to do? To give you roses? Like, it doesn't work like that. And it's ridiculous, like, how every time like, they have those lies that no one, no one can believe, you know. People stopped believing them since October 8th, one day after the war started, because the amount of lie is, like, nonsense, you know. And those lies, they haven't been proven. And the whole world has been asking them, like, let, you know, international organizations come come and check. And they're not allowing anyone. I mean, if you want um, partial investigations, you should allow other people. It's not that your story against the whole world's, you know, like story. It's not you against the whole world. Yeah. No, uh, uh, yeah. You are right, uh, especially for the for the final part of uh, what you said, and you know this this idea, and you know, um, I almost wanted to ask you, you know, uh, do you condemn, right? You know, that's the that's the first. I almost wanted to start <laughs> off as a joke, right? That, that because the idea is right, but they never ask, they never ask that of of uh Israeli spokespersons, right? And you know, for us. We are we are happy to say, you know, we are more than happy to say we don't want innocent people to kill uh, to be uh, to be killed, no matter who they are, right? And our heart bleeds if there are Israeli civilians who are killed, uh, Israeli children. Our heart always bleeds, but you do not. When when it comes to us, we have to be unequivocal, right? We have to be un. When it comes to them, you know, it's complex, you know, and there's this, there's that, there's that, right? Where where is that? Where is the fairness in that, right? And we are happy, right, to condemn any murder of civilians, right? Why aren't you doing it when it comes to so why aren't? And, and, and that's really the where I wanted to end uh, tonight, right? Um, why do you think there is such a? If this was a different, and I think the answer is probably in your article, right? And I'll I'll, I'll let you explain more, right? If this was a different, if this happened, I mean, we. It's not even theoretical. Just two years ago, two plus years ago, we saw this happening in Ukraine. Hey. And the whole world bled. The whole world yeah. bled, right? Europe bled and they opened I mean, up. We're the not white enough. So if we're white enough, maybe we would, you know, be more appreciated. But our skin color is the reason, I guess. It's as simple as that, you think? I mean, it's a mix of a lot of things. 
um of course we're not white and you know like western media we're saying that on our faces that you know ukraine they're white they're not like a country in the middle east like like you know it's happening in europe it's not happening in the middle east as of the middle east like it's okay to bomb the middle east it's okay to kill everyone in the middle east because they're not white you know like kill none like non-white people we can kill them easily like no issues but when it comes to white people no it's it's a thing like we should think of every move um i guess it's the colonial mindset you know like those countries they believe that they can still dominate the world without the word you know push back to their narratives they believe that we're like in the 40s era where they can uh colonize the whole world exploit all the resources kill the people um you know humiliate them and there would be no response from native people or indigenous people to fight back for their lands and with this mindset with this colonial mindset and white supremacy um yeah i mean yeah it's it's this and it's islamophobia for sure because um if we were maybe not muslims maybe they would treat us differently i'm not sure um but yeah it's it's a mix of everything to be honest it's a mix of um xenophobia uh racism uh white supremacy uh colonial mindset and all those together yeah i i, I tend to agree and i think i think you're right that it is a mix of everything and i do agree as well i think it's racism above everything else even more so than uh, Islamophobia, even though there is Islamophobia as well, because the Palestinian Christians as well. I mean, yeah, Manta they are Isaac that... said, right? Yeah, well, he said, uh, he said, right, that they are not white enough. That's why they've been abandoned by their European Christian friends. Right? Yeah, it's about our existence. You know, whether you're Palestinian Christian or Palestinian Muslim or Palestinian Jew, your mere existence in your land is a threat to Israel and is a threat to the narrative. They want the land empty of its people. Uh, so it doesn't matter what religion you follow, you know, because, um, I mean, Palestinian Christians are suffering too, and they might be suffering more than Palestinian Muslims, you know, because Muslims, we are like, we're a lot and, and we can defend ourselves. But Palestinian Christians, they are like, you know, minority and it's really hard for them. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's not about what religion are you are, but it's about being a Palestinian living in Palestine, you know, you should be erased no matter what, because this land was promised by God to Jewish people. They are the chosen people. So according to that narrative, oh, I don't know, we should be thrown to the desert, to the sea, to the moon, wherever you choose, but not in our homeland, you know? Yeah, and you know, the the, the other idea, right, that the question, another talking point, right? Um, why don't the Arab countries take them, right? Why don't the, Arab, the other Arab countries... Why don't they go to the Arab yeah. countries? Yeah, as if we were like something that you can carry, like a box that you can yeah. put all us together <laughs> and carry it and then throw it. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Like, can you tell yeah. one European country why do the exactly. French, why we cannot push the French to Germany? Because they're all Europe. They're all exactly. European. All oh. Europe. Let's push them. Yeah, or oh, I mean, oh, even if we go even more granular, right? Somebody I mean, from California say, okay, I'm going to come in, I'm going to take him. Yeah. Okay, why can't you why can't you go to Texas, right? Why can't you go to Missouri, right? 
So it's just madness, right? These kinds of uh, talking points that would never be used in any I other mean, context. Why want to use that against them? Like the same logic, you're Europeans. Like you yeah. belong to Europe. So it's easier right. if you go back to Europe yeah. and you leave us alone because we know no other lands. It but doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean? make sense, that, that silly yeah. logic. But but it's being used as if it's such a clever talking point, right? Uh, no. Uh, so there is this question... Uh, I think you can see it in the Q&A. says, thanks for sharing, Hanan. What do you most want Singaporeans to know if there's only one thing about Palestine that you want uh, Singaporeans to know? I mean, uh, I want them to read, to read more about everything. I would love them uh, to read and decide for themselves uh, because it's not me who are going to come here and tell people that you should believe in this and not this. And like, you know, I'm Palestinian. I'm obviously biased. I'll always advocate for a free Palestine. Uh, but my advice to everyone who's watching us and who never had heard of whatever is happening here, um, I want to tell them that it didn't start yesterday. It started since, you know, 1948, since Israel occupied our lands, stole our lands, basically, and kicked, kicked us out of our lands. And um, read, read for yourself and then decide, you, you know, whether you want to stand with Israel, with Palestine, with whoever you want, at least have some knowledge. Um, do not follow mainstream media. Don't. It's not a good start. So if you want to really start understanding what is happening here, start reading books. And from there, maybe you can know what is happening and you can form an opinion for yourself without anyone, you know, telling you who you should stand with or or how you should think of this, you know, um, of this occupation of Palestine. Are there any specific books you recommend? I always uh, recommend people uh, Rashid Khalidi's and Ilan Pip's uh, books. Mm -hmm. uh, is, there, is there anything else you would? I'd recommend Edward Said. Okay. Edward <laughs> Said are very, you know, interesting. I would recommend yeah. anything. Um, there is a book for Edward Said. It's called On Palestine. Yes. Uh, and Edward Said is a Palestinian Christian, by the way. Indeed, so. indeed, indeed. And I think, I think, I was just having a conversation with um, a couple of friends just before this at dinner, and I was saying, it's amazing how social scientists who read Edward Said, and it means his critique of Zionism. Colonial, yeah. It's, it's, just, colonial. it's just amazing, like, how, when that is so central to his being, right, you know? Uh, and uh, it's it's cognitive dissonance uh, in some ways. Um, so maybe uh, before we end, I just wanted to read out some messages uh, of solidarity. You know, um, uh, we stand with Palestine. Uh, Hanan, thank you. Our hearts and minds are with Palestine. Um, dear Hanan, a lot of us are doing what we can that we know and calling for a ceasefire uh, and withdrawal of support for Israel, but because the general population do not know how to be effective activists, we are learning as we go. Our hearts are with Palestine. Um, this round of genocide in Gaza and the West Bank has forever changed us. We are with you all the way here, and Palestine will be free. Thank you, Hanan, for all that you do and more. Allah bless you always. Uh, and there uh, are watermelon signs, heart signs, love signs, and I have to say, Hanan, I, in in my my experience of following this, um, in Singapore, I think this is the first time I have seen a more general awakening. I I cannot say it's the majority, but it's definitely much more than I have ever seen. And 
previously you know this was an issue that it was it was an issue that was confined to the muslim community right so muslims always have always cared about palestine right uh, but i think for the first time i saw the people outside the muslim community like really uh, standing especially amongst younger people um so thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and uh, being vulnerable in such an intellectual manner uh, i cannot imagine you know there is a malay saying that goes uh, as difficult as it uh, as it is for the eyes to watch it is much more difficult for the shoulders to bear uh, so as as much as my heart bleed i i won't even pretend to to know half of what you are going through so thank you so much i really appreciate do you have any final words son thank you walid for everything you do i know it's not easy you know to do what you do and thank you everyone for the sweet messages i really appreciate everything and um inshallah one day we get to meet in a free palestine inshallah and if not if not us at least our children inshallah and god willing okay thank you so much anan good night you, everyone Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Bye.